Why, hello there, feature fans. It's the week of March 31st, and we have some pitiful offerings in the way of movies for you. And we have two movies involving anime, two movies that are horror thrillers, and two historical dramas. It's the week of March 31st, and this is episode 36 of Future Flicks. All right, everyone, welcome back. Let me tell you a bit about the podcast if you're new. This is Future Flicks, and I am your host, Billiam. In Future Flicks, I go over every movie that's being released during the week. I tell you what it's about, who's in it, and my thoughts on it. I will give a movie score, which I call the Billiam's Interest Level Score, aka the Bill Score. This score is only based on the trailer and anything I've read about the movie. But let's start this episode with a little bit of housekeeping. You can find me on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, YouTube, Tumblr, and any podcast listening app, as well as the Somewhat Nerdy website. That's somewhatnerdy.com. You can reach me at Twitter, at BilliamSWN, or email me at BilliamReviews at gmail.com. Let's move on to our first segment, which, as always, is the news. According to The Wrap, Paramount has removed the sequel to Terminator Genesis from the release schedule, but put another movie that's simply listed as Terminator 3 onto the schedule. Who knows what the differences actually are, but to me it sounds like they are dropping the Genesis storyline and making another Terminator sequel. It's not a secret that the somewhat nerdy radio crew and I disagree on 2016's Ghostbusters, but guys, even you'll have to admit it did some good after this little bit of news. Ivan Reitman is determined to keep hope alive for the most loved franchise and is planning a series of new movies. The first being an animated film scheduled for 2019 or 2020. He even wants to combine all the universes. Universes? Universi? Universi. That sounds cool. But universes, the original, the new one, and his upcoming animated one, and a rumored new live installment and combine them all together, the new live installment he hopes to have Channing Tatum and Chris Pratt are the only two listed so far. So let's see where this goes and if we get more Ghostbusters in the future and if Ecto Cooler will come back and end this hashtag Ecto Drought. Michael Shannon is reportedly the frontrunner to play Cable in Deadpool 2, this according to Variety. This news coming after the casting of Zazie Beetz, the actress from the show Atlanta, as Domino. So this week, Sony announced it was making a Venom movie, and now they're going to make another Spider-Man spinoff, but this one is about Black Cat and Silver Sable. The Venom movie is going to start filming this fall and is reportedly going to be a sci-fi horror movie. A theater in LA has been handing out barf bags to people watching the French cannibal film Raw, I'm wondering if this is because it's gross, or if people would throw up because it's a shitty movie. When April comes around, so will new movies on Netflix. This according to IndieWire, there are a few new ones, but a lot of older ones. Some of the new ones include Kubo and the Two Strings and the BFG. The link to the full story, and the full list, is in the show notes. The comedy world's version of Cancer, Amy Schumer, has reportedly dropped out of the Barbie movie. So the woman who had a comedy special where she talked about gun control and how much her p- smelled was going to be in the Barbie movie? Oh, good. Also, what the f- a Barbie movie? I'm glad they're calling it the Barbie movie and not the alternate title, 
unrealistic body image examples for young girls, the movie. What's a Barbie movie going to be about? And God help me, they're going to use Aqua's Barbie Girl for the trailer, aren't they? I know it. Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Channing Tatum are set to star in an R-rated musical. In other news, I can't wait. And finally, according to Screen Rant, Leia's role in Episode 8, Star Wars Episode 8, of course, is unchanged, even after the untimely passing of Carrie Fisher. That being said, they said they won't use CGI to bring her back in Episode 9, but apparently recasting her is still on the table. God help them if they recast her. Well, folks, that's it for all the news that mattered to me this week, so let's go on to the next segment, which is Blazing Trailers. The trailer for the Death Note movie hit the interwebs on the 22nd. This is a Netflix original movie based off the anime and manga of the same name. This is set to come out in August, and the sad thing is, there's only one or two Asians cast in the movie. You know, this movie based off a Japanese story. Come on now, I expected better from Netflix. And this is a TV show, but still a great teaser trailer. Mystery Science Theater 3000 had a trailer, and it's out. And I believe the entire show is also out, and it looks really good. The new cast is made up of Jonah Ray, Pat Oswald, and Felicia Day. The trailer for Captain Underpants dropped, and it looks redonkulous. I've never read any of the books, but this movie looks funny. The Justice League trailer came out, and boy does it look mediocre. I bet you it'll be fun, but overall, a meh movie. The worst thing about it is that Cyborg looks horrible. He looks like a victim of bad CGI, like Michael Bay level bad. Check it out if you haven't already. This has promise, but I refuse to get my hopes up for another Zack Snyder DC movie. And folks, that's it for this week's edition of Blazing Trailers. Let's move on to the movies with our first movie. That's actually coming out on the 28th, or came out on the 28th, and that's called Boruto, Naruto the Movie. Oh boy. I'm actually not going to talk about this movie much. This show and manga ended years ago, and technically this movie came out years ago. So it's, I'm not worried about spoilers. Uh, Hell, I never even made it to the ending of the anime because the filler episodes bored me so bad. For the uninitiated... Filler episodes happen when an anime is based off pre-existing material, usually a manga, a comic. The anime, like Naruto, Bleach, One Piece, will follow the manga and then usually between story arcs will create original content that has nothing to do with the story at all. And it's usually garbage. So for fans of these big series, to give you a hint about how big, Naruto is 220 episodes long and Naruto Shippuden was over 400 episodes. So for the fans of the big series, they get really pissed when they're huge filler arcs. Even if there's something cool about it, they all know that it's not going to have any bearing on the main story. But back to this movie I'm not going to talk about. The reason I'm not going to talk about it is because you know if you're going to watch it or not. And nothing I can say will affect that. Hell, if you're a huge fan of Naruto, you've known about this movie for a while, and you've probably already seen a fan-subbed version of it unless you're a total weeaboo and you speak Japanese as well. If I had followed the anime, which I one day want to finish, then I may give this a rating, but I'm not going to now. Just FYI, if you're a Naruto fan and didn't know about this movie, then you're welcome. Go watch it and weeb out. Next up this week is another movie that came out on the 28th. This one is called The Abduction of Jennifer Grayson. 
A man kidnaps women and holds them hostage until they fall in love with him. He eventually kills them and goes off to find another one. But now, the police are on to him. The stars James Duvall, who played Miguel in Independence Day, and former ECW wrestler Tommy Dreamer. This is a crime thriller that looks mediocre at best. It's trying to sell itself as a thriller horror, but let's be honest, it's really a crime thriller. It's an interesting idea that could have been done better. It feels like Kiss the Girls meets the Stockholm Syndrome aspect of Beauty and the Beast. This could have been made to look more interesting if they leaned more towards a psychological horror and less towards a crime thriller and just claiming it's a horror. They could have still had promise for this movie, but it's lost in a sea of mediocrity. This looks like the kind of movie you'd find in a bargain bin at Walmart. It, it was thrown in there along with copies of Fantastic Four that no one wanted. This movie had a promising idea. It could have been good, but it was squandered somewhere along the way. It was either bad writing, bad directing, or bad producing, but someone f***ed up. The abduction of Jennifer Grayson gets a 4 out of 11. Next up on this week's list, The Boss Baby. A suit-wearing, briefcase-carrying baby pairs up with his seven-year-old brother to stop the dastardly plot of the CEO of Puppy Co. This features the voices of Alec Baldwin from 30 Rock, Miles Christopher Bakshi from Shrek Forever After, Steve Buscemi from Con Air, late-night host show Jimmy Kimmel, Lisa Kudrow from Friends, and Tobey Maguire from Spider-Man. Let me tell you the story of how this movie got made. All right, are you ready? Sit down because it's a fun story. One day, an executive at DreamWorks did enough cocaine to kill Robert Downey Jr.'s old career. And some producer comes in and says, I have a great idea. There's a stupid kid's book about a baby in a suit and... But before the producer can finish, the executive says, Baby in a suit? I'm f***ing sold. And there we have it as he wipes the white dust from his nose. This film is going to have its funny moments, and I bet you that kids will like it. But that doesn't say much, because young kids will like anything with half-assed animation and dumb jokes. So this may wind up being a little funny, if not mediocre at best, but just because it's a kid's book doesn't mean it has to be turned into a movie. Captain Underpants gets a pass because it was a big book series. Well, neither myself nor any of my friends with kids have ever heard of this one. This movie is going to be great if you have children, it's rated PG for some mild, rude humor, but let's face it, unless you're a gigantic killjoy, this would be good for kids, even, even young as five. But for the rest of us, this is probably going to be a pass. Maybe watch it later on streaming. Maybe. But this looks like a dumb movie with easy jokes, which are perfect for young kids, but will leave adults and even some older kids wanting. Movies like Shrek and Zootopia were fun movies that could be enjoyed by children, but were more than just dumb jokes in a paper-thin plot. That is what sets movies like that apart from movies like Boss Baby. If, if Boss Baby has a decent plot, then the trailers did a piss, poor job of showing it and make it look like some mind-numbing children's movie that even children might be bored at. You can have a trailer for kids that entices kids, but also shows that the movie has more. Once again, look at Shrek and Zootopia, look at Moana, look at Kubo and the Two Strings. Those movies, those movies are good examples. If you have young children and want to take them to a movie, then this is it. This is your movie this week. If you're an adult, 
Even if you like animation, this movie isn't for you. Boss Baby gets a pitiful 5 out of 11. All right, my friends. Well, that's it for the first half of the podcast. That's it for the first half of Future Flicks with Billiam. And I mentioned it was episode 36. I think I did, but I'm going to say it again. Episode 36. Interestingly enough, you get 36 by multiplying 6 and 6. One of the first multiplication table things I ever memorized. So there you go. There's some billium history right there. But stay tuned for a word from our friends at Somewhat Nerdy Radio. Imagine yourself on a journey with the Somewhat Nerdy Radio podcast crew as we travel through forgotten realms and far-off galaxies. Your captains, the sensational Snarf Chris and the cunning Critter, constantly face an element of danger. Welcome to the Somewhat Nerdy Radio podcast. The bright light in the podcast sphere. Download and subscribe Somewhat Nerdy Radio today on iTunes and SoundCloud or stream it at somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds. All right, and we're back. Welcome back, everyone. When I was driving home, I had high hopes. I had high hopes for what I'd be drinking. That I'd be drinking a nice beer. And then I thought, oh, maybe I will look at the last few episodes of the Watch Your Mouth podcast and drink whatever they were drinking. And I got home, found out I had no beer. It was sad. And I found out that my liquor cabinet, cabinet, quote unquote, just the part under my kitchen table, it has a little shelf, is severely lacking. So what am I drinking? It's sad. It's really sad. I didn't even have any any rum to make booze. No, no, no. This is Gatorade and vodka. That's that's what I'm reduced to tonight. Gatorade and vodka. God help me. Lord almighty, help this poor man find a drink. But let's move on. Let's move on to our next movie called Cezanne and I. This is a historical drama that follows a friendship between post-impressionist painter Paul Cezanne and the author, Emile Zola. Guess what? This is a momentous occasion. I haven't said these words in a while. This is a French film that doesn't look bat crazy. In fact, this looks pretty good as far as a super dry foreign language historical drama goes. And once again, I would like to pat myself on the back for saying post-impressionist painter Paul Cezanne, as well as super dry foreign language historical drama in one take. I didn't even have to, I didn't even mess up and have to re-record that. And that's after, I think this is my third, third drink. Good job, me. Thank you, me. This will only be a movie for you if you're a serious historical drama fan, and this is your jam. Anyone who has ever taken an art history class will be familiar with Paul Cezanne, even if you don't recognize the name. He did such works like The Boy in the Red Vest, and one of the paintings in the Card Player series holds the record for most expensive painting ever sold. It sold for $250 million. $250 million. Good Lord Almighty, I'd love a fraction of that. You know, half. Half's a fraction, right? But get this, the person who bought the painting for $250 million used to work at the auction house that was running the auction. He was a former Sotheby's executive or something like that. And he, I guess, working at this fancy art place gets you a lot of money because he's like, oh, yes, $250 million is nothing. Would you like a check or should I roll it up in a bunch of hundreds and just throw it at you from my loft? 
Yacht. I should have said yacht, right? Because loft. Any douchebag can call their apartment a loft, but yacht. Yacht is something. Especially if you go to a landlocked yacht club. What else can I really say about this movie? It looks well acted, it looks well written, and the cinematography is impressive. It's probably paced slower than a drunk sloth. That's going to be the biggest problem with it. The only things that could have been done to make this more interesting for your average American audience, and I hate to say it, but would be to have it in English and put bigger names in it. Or, you know, big names in it. That's it. Save this movie for a day when you're feeling artsy and want to expand your movie horizons. If this looked better, then I'd probably talk it up a bit more and encourage you to watch it. But this isn't good enough for me to try and convince you to see it. Will this be an interesting movie? Yes, but it will have a very limited audience. If anything about this interested you at all, then put it on your to-be-watch list. If not, then watch one of the last two movies I'm going to talk about. Cezanne and I gets a 6.5 out of 11. Alright folks, three movies left this week, and the next movie up is called Bottom of the World. A girl goes missing and her boyfriend searches for her, but he finds himself in dream after dream until he no longer knows what's real. All he does know is that this is all linked to her and the man in the TV, a preacher who claims to be the girl's father. This stars Jenna Maloney from The Neon Demon, Ted Levine from Silence of the Lambs, you know, he played Buffalo Bill, would you f*** me? I'd f*** me. He was also in the show Monk. And Douglas Smith from the show Big Love. This looks like a super indie thriller horror, but it actually looks pretty interesting. Remember, folks, just because it's an indie movie doesn't mean it's going to be sh**. It's only going to be sh**. Well, okay, well, one of the biggest signs is going to be sh**. Is that if it looks like it's going to pander to indie audiences. This one doesn't look like that. And I do use the term horror loosely, as it's mostly a psychological thriller, but the trailer had some horror-y scenes in it. This isn't the type of movie that's going to have anything close to a happy ending. So if you need to watch something happy, stay far away from this. Just stay far away. This movie will f*** with your mind and then probably kill everyone. I bet you this is going to have a slight Groundhog Day feel. Something will happen to the guy and he'll wake up from it as if it's a dream. But guess what? He's still in a dream. F*** you. This will probably be a tense and annoying movie. Films like this, like What's a Dream and What's Reality, can really feel cheap. Like, they don't need good writing when they can just do something f***ed up and BOOM! Have the character wake up and it's all okay. Or it's all a new day and starts over again! This was released on March 1st on the interwebs. I believe iTunes has it, but I'm not sure where else you can buy it. But it's being released in theaters this weekend. Though, if this interests you at all, just buy it online, it'll probably be cheaper. The way it was shot looks dark and gritty, like it's a nightmare. You know, that, that kind of nightmare when you're, before anything scary really happens, you just have that feeling that you're like, like, everything's dark, everything's a little grimy, or you just have that overwhelming sense that nothing good is going to happen. That's the way this movie looks like it was shot. Jenna Maloney is a reliable actress. That's all I can really say about this so far. Besides that fact that it looks interesting. So keep this in mind. Maybe it'll be worth it. Bottom of the World gets a 6 out of 11. Alright folks, we have two movies left to talk about this week. That's just two movies. And I bet you, some of you are thinking you know what my pick is going to be. But guess what? The next movie I'm going to talk about 
and the one that's definitely not my pick, is Ghost in the Shell. Major is the first cyber-enhanced human. She's been turned into a perfect soldier and, the, and stops the world's most dangerous criminals. But there's more to her story than even she knows. This stars Scarlett Johansson from Avengers and Pilu Azbek from Lucy. This movie is going to be a beautiful mess. Like a 4K HD storm. It looks impressive, but I fear it's going to be garbage. Scarlett Johansson's famous for having very little emotion. So basically, this is the one character that she's really prepared for. The sad thing is, she can really act. We've all seen it before. Well, maybe we've seen it before. Maybe you haven't seen some of her better movies. But all of the big movies she gets, all the ones that are really pushed a lot, she's always the same character in and she's boring. I know I should try to go into this movie fresh and give it a shot, but it's hard when Americans usually screw up live-action movies based off anime or cartoons. For examples of that, look at The Last Airbender, or Dragon Ball Evolution, or Kite. True, those are different writers, different directors, different actors for those movies, but the problem lies in Hollywood itself. Hollywood has a hard time staying true to source material when they're not going to be super watched about it. So for like Harry Potter, Hunger Games, Twilight, the really popular series, they had to try and stay as close as they could. Otherwise, they would be burned at the stake for it. For something like this, where only old anime nerds like me, maybe Critter. I, I remember, I know Critter talks about DBZ a lot, and I'm not sure if he ever watched this. So, you know, if you if you listen to this show, Critter, and you hear this, let me know. Do, do you watch some of the older anime movies? What do you think of Ghost in the Shell? What do you think? What do you think of this? But anyway, when the source material is something older like this that only anime nerds are going to know, they don't have to stick close to anything. Because what are we going to do? Breathe heavy on them and not see it? Oh no, the rest of America might, because they don't know any better. There was a lot of controversy around this because of the whitewashing, and I use quotes for that, but that's what Hollywood does. That's just what they do. And I'm surprised this story even got any traction because it was about Asians, a widely ignored part of Hollywood. You know, you know what's sad is that if some company had taken an idea based off African media and made the main characters white, then there'd be protests and the movie wouldn't even be made because so many people would be against it. But when the same thing happens to Asians, it doesn't matter. There'll be a couple articles about it going, oh, you know, there's very little roles out there for Asians, but for the most part, no one will really care. Because it's not fair. It really isn't. Masamune Shiro, the man who wrote the original Ghost in the Shell manga, said that he doesn't care that the main character is being played by a white person. He said that Major is a cyborg and she wasn't even Japanese in the manga. He has a point. He really does. And I'm glad that he is coming out in support of this. So he does have a point, but for many, the issue isn't that at all. But the lack of good roles for Asians in general. Think about it. When's the last time you saw an Asian in a leading role? You may have heard me talk about the Oscars before. Okay, this is going to be a little little tangent. I'm, I'm sorry, but a little tangent. You may have heard me talk about the Oscars and basically calling out the Oscars so white people and saying that it's not racism, it's money. So you may be asking yourself, how can I say that? But this is different. And I've already said the answer is because that part of the Oscars is money. It is politics. But this, this is more not even giving Asians a chance. So in my defense, that's how I can say one thing about the Oscars, but then get on my high horse about this. All right, rant over. Back to the movie. This just doesn't look very good. Hell, they could have gotten an Asian actress 
to play major and kept everything else the same and I still wouldn't be interested in this movie. It looked visually pleasing, but that's it. It's directed by Rupert Sanders who directed Snow White and the Huntsman, a movie that was mediocre at best. It was written by Jamie Moss, or at least the screenplay is written by Jamie Moss, who wrote Street Kings, a pretty good movie though, and William Wheeler, who wrote Queen of Katwe. The people behind this movie could be good. Hell, they could be great, but they haven't done enough to show me that this is going to be any good. They haven't done enough to allow me to breathe any easier about the thought of even seeing this. The director and writers really haven't done much at all, so I can't give that many educated guesses outside of the trailer. Based only on the trailer, this is going to be a by-the-numbers dark sci-fi action flick, which normally would be okay, but this looks boring and uninspired. They should have at least hired Trailer Guy for this because the only reason I may see this is to see what it, what sort of train wreck it could be. If they got Trailer Guy for it, I could at least go in going, oh yeah, this is going to be great, and then bitch about it later. Scarlett Johansson is a mediocre actress who's treated like she's good, but she's capable of doing so much more and I can't wait for her to get a better role to show us again that she's good. If you see this movie... Do so just to watch a flashy sci-fi movie, but not because you actually want to watch something good. Ghost in the Shell gets a 6 out of 11. Alright folks, so there's one movie left, which implies that the final movie is my pick of the week. So what in this subpar week could my pick possibly be? Well, my pick is The Zookeeper's Wife. This is the account of the keepers of Warsaw Zoo and how they helped save hundreds of people and animals during the German invasion. This stars Jessica Chastain from The Martian and Daniel Brühl from Inglorious Bastards. This is directed by Nikki Caro from McFarland, USA, and she's rumored to be the director for the live-action Mulan movie, and this was based off the book of the same name by Diane Ackerman. This is going to be a heavy war drama with less of a focus on the battle aspect of war, more of a focus on the effects of non-combatants and those who oppressed, or sorry, and those who opposed the Third Reich. They didn't stop at adults, they killed children too, so these two people risked everything to hide these people in their zoo and hide as many people as they could. It feels like there's always a World War II movie in the works, and that's because we still haven't even begun to tell all the tales. The triumphs, the tragedies, the unspeakable horrors, the clouds with silver linings. As long as a World War II movie isn't just a carbon copy of one that came before it, I will welcome them. Especially these that are based off true events like this and Hacksaw Ridge. Jessica Chastain could easily become just like Scarlett Johansson, but Chastain, so far, keeps the good performances coming. It looks like she just kills it in this one. If you look at some of her other roles, she does have a certain type of character she reverts to. And maybe there's something I should have made a little bit clearer when I was talking about Scarlett Johansson, is that I know she's capable of more, it's just that the roles that she picks call for her to play the same character. And it looks like Jessica Chastain avoids that. Alright, back to this movie. The whole trailer looked like it had a filter over it to give the movie a sense of antiquity to add to the feeling that this happened in the past. But filter or more filter, this movie isn't going to pull any punches. 
This is going to be brutal. This is going to be honest. This is going to be heartbreaking. This is going to give us hope that even during these dark times, there was good done, that there were good people out there who fought against overwhelming adversity to do everything they could to even help a few people. And these heroes deserved more than a book and a movie written about them. They deserved statues made of them. They deserved to be handed the keys to all the cities in the world. They deserve all the money. They deserve all the glory. But right now, this is all we can do is remember them and immortalize them on the silver screen and in the pages of a book. People like this, people like the people like the keepers of the Warsaw Zoo are true heroes. But enough about the heroic aspect of this. Let's actually talk about this as a movie. This is going to be a true drama. If you're the type of person who needs a comedy, who needs an explosion, who needs something to keep your eyes open, then this movie isn't for you. However, if you can enjoy a good drama, a good historical drama, then this is your movie. Then this is what you should watch. And I do believe everyone should give this a shot. I'm just not sure if this is the movie. In fact, I'm positive. I know this is not a movie you should see in theaters. If you absolutely need to see something this weekend, there's plenty of other movies out, out there that would benefit more from a viewing in the theaters. This one, however, would be best watched from the comfort of your own home, wrapped up in a blanket with a cup of hot cocoa and a box of tissues nearby. That's what you should do. So see this movie. It is still my pick, but maybe this week, either watch a movie from previous week or stay home. This is not the greatest week for the movies. The Zookeeper's Wife gets an 8 out of 11. Well, my friends, that is it for this week. This has been episode 36 of Future Flicks. It's kind of a short week, but I still talked quite a bit. So I wonder what next week is going to look like because we have a lot of movies to talk about. Many good ones? Tune back in and find out. But there are a lot of movies. So let's get on with the closing of the show with my usual housekeeping. You can find me on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Tumblr, and any podcast listening app, as well as a somewhat nerdy website. That's somewhatnerdy.com. I'd really appreciate it if you take a few minutes out of your day to give my podcast a rating. I'd love five stars or give it a like or share the podcast. Leave a comment. Tell me what I'm doing right. Tell me what I need to improve on. And how do you reach me? That's a great question. Leave a comment for me on the Somewhat Nerdy website or the Facebook page. Leave a comment on SoundCloud. Hit me up on Twitter at BilliamSWN. Email me at BilliamReviews at gmail.com. Are you on Instagram? Billiam SWN there as well. Tumblr and Untapped? Billiam SWN. Be sure to check out the Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Squared Circle, also on the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. And the Watch Your Mouth Podcast is finishing up their semester. So check out the best swearity I've ever heard. Don't forget to check out the Somewhat Nerdy site for all of our latest blogs and news. And before I forget... Our good friends at Someone Nerdy Radio have their one-year anniversary coming up, so stay tuned for that. I look forward to hearing what they're going to do for it. Don't forget to check out the Someone Nerdy site for all of our latest blogs and news. And finally, my dear friends, my dear, dear listeners, my future fans, please remember that no matter where life takes you, no matter what your week has in store, just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billiam from Somewhat Nerdy, signing off. I'll see you in the future.